love what God is doing in our family. Don't you just love coming together like this on a Sunday morning? Uh, just look around the room and every one of you has this beautiful, unique calling and destiny. And here you are all together, blending it all in, you know? You're all just as alive as Annette is. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for sharing your gift with all of us. It is beautiful when we can gather together. Yeah, it's different every week, isn't it? But I love, and we're coming into this summer, we're declaring is going to be our season for building and gathering. Uh, and God's really laid the book of Nehemiah on my heart. And we're going to be spending time in that through the summer. And uh, you can stick up the picture for me, please, Roger. Um, because when we look at the world around us, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? <laughs> and when we sometimes we look at our own lives, it's a bit of a mess. But God always has an answer to mess. And what God does is he builds a place to gather in. That's a safe place to be made whole. It's a safe place to meet with him. It's a revival, effectively. And that's what Nehemiah leads um, when we read through his book. Uh, he leads this revival that has repercussions for generations in rebuilding this city that's chosen by God. That actually is the wall of Jerusalem, I believe. Um, but when he rebuilds this wall... There's this city that God chose that's going to remain until right after Jesus um, because it's a place for those who love God to gather in God's presence and to gather in safety. God's promises are always our answer. God's promises are always our answer. And uh, obviously, you know, I've just celebrated this big birthday and Jane and I took this week to go away for a few days just to reflect on what God has said and what God has done and to receive prophetic words from many of you and from other friends and to really recommit to our assignment to lead us into making a difference here in the Grand Strand. Our church family as part of the wider body of Christ and it struck me again and again that we have to train ourselves to return to God's promises. You know, as I look around the room, I know many of your stories or snippets of many of your stories. And we've all gone through stuff, haven't we? <laughs> we've all gone through difficulties. We've all gone through challenges. And even many of us right now are facing stuff that is challenging to us. But I want to encourage you, train yourself to return to God's promises. That's why I love that we had that moment just of being quiet with the music playing to begin to listen to what God is saying. And I want to encourage you, even while I'm sharing this morning, quieten your heart and listen to what God is saying. He wants to nudge you and remind you of promises in your life as well as promises for our life together. I said right at the very beginning, it's no accident that you're here this morning. And throughout this summer, we are going to continue to unpack from Nehemiah what it means to build a safe place, to gather God's chosen people, which is all of humanity now, and to begin to experience God's presence again. 
Isaiah 30, verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. If I were to paraphrase that, God says to you and to me, in coming back to my heart and the freedom you find there, you shall be safe in a broad, secure place. With tranquil confidence in me, you will bask in my strong presence. That's always God's promise to us as his children. He promises us his presence. He promises us that whenever we return into that presence, whatever is assailing us will not succeed, will not win, because God's presence is a place of safety. Now, sadly, if you read on in Isaiah, God's people at that point did not say yes. God goes on to say, but you were unwilling. But I'm standing here today to say, I am willing. I know you're here today to say, I am willing to return to God's presence and to return to God's promises. And God wants us to continue to do that. Let's jump into Nehemiah together. And I want to read probably most of chapter 1, actually. Because I think it has some important things to teach us. Because Nehemiah comes on the scene in a situation of despair and defeat and destruction and all kinds of other disses. <laughs> and I want to encourage you that whatever you see around you, God's seen it before. And he's brought us through. And Nehemiah does exactly what God says when he's faced with that destruction. So... Chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Kislev in the 20th year as I was in Susa, the citadel. Now, pause. Anybody know where Susa, the citadel is? It's over in... Persia? Yes. Babylon. Exile, basically. <laughs> They'd all been carried off because they were disobedient. right? And he's there in a place where he knows he doesn't belong, and in a place which he knows is not God's plan for him. But he's there because of the failure of all the people around him to follow God. Do you ever look at America and think, what a mess we're in because of the failure of all the people to follow God? That's okay. God's been there before, and God's here now. One of my brothers came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. Sound familiar? <laughs> the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, its gates are destroyed by fire. We're under attack. Our civil structures, our moral boundaries are all being demolished and our world's getting more and more insecure. But God knows where we are. And God knows the answer. 
And it is not to watch CNN more and confess to one another what a mess we're in. It is not. Verse 4. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. It's okay to do that. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Don't talk to one another. Talk to God. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Just at the end there, Nehemiah gives us a glimpse of where we're going to go next week, but I want us to focus on what he does in chapter 1. Because he hears the news and he considers the magnitude of the mess and his first focus is God's covenant. His first priority is God's steadfast love. His first request is that God remember his promise to gather those who were scattered by disobedience. So he calls out to God. He calls out for God to reunite those who are scattered. Some of you were here, I think it's what, three Sundays ago. I really feel there was a significant lesson for us in what I said three weeks ago when we talked about separating or uniting. Separating or uniting. Because God's plan is to unite us. God's plan is to reunite us with him and also with one another. But the enemy's strategy is separating. And he's always looking for ways to, to, to sow division and to put one against another so that we lose the blessing of what God has designed us for. So I'd urge you to listen again to that message. It's on the website if you weren't able to be with us that Sunday. Uh, it's a foundational principle of why we're a church family. We're here to unite God's children, with God and with one another. It's one of the foundations that we're built on. And it may well set us apart from uh, other church groups that others of us have been involved with in the past as well.
The truth for us this morning is that God is already victorious in Jesus. The war is already won. It's not over yet, but it's already won. The analogy we like to use, and that's significant that the anniversary was this week, is D-Day. If you look at history, World War II began to be won on D-Day. And as we look at the whole of history, we will see more and more clearly that the war was won on D-Day. Death Day, when Jesus died and rose again. The cross is the heavenly D-Day of the war between the enemy and God. And God wins, doesn't he? You know, put a finger in Nehemiah and turn to the end of the book. You're allowed to read the last chapter and catch the ending. We win. God wins. And so as we read Nehemiah together this summer, we see that Nehemiah goes on to build this place for God's people to gather, for them to learn, for them to renew covenant with God. And that's our calling too. We're going to unpack that as we go through the summer together. Not every Sunday, but most Sundays. We're going to focus back into Nehemiah. They recovered what had been lost And they prepared for a better future, despite opposition and despite even conspiracies against them. And they did all of that miraculously because God was with them. And we too are called to build something that's going to renew intimacy with God, but also create a place of flourishing for God's children amidst conflict, amidst difficulty. And it's going to be those raw Uh, raw materials of the kingdom, if you like, where we're uniting God's children as we trust God more and more, where we love God more than our own rights. That doesn't come easy to us Americans, does it? It's the first time I've said us Americans on a Sunday morning, but I like saying that. (laughs) Should have brought my flag. It doesn't come easy to us, does it? Because I know my rights. I'm an American. I've got my piece of paper that says what I'm entitled to. But actually, God says if we willingly lay down some of our rights for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the family of God, God loves that. (laughs) Just like Jesus laid down his life. Sacrifices can actually demonstrate love in action, can't they? And as we do those things, what we're building is a church family where every person is connected and healthy and fruitful. I love the story that Jesus told about the the, the vine. You know, I'm the vine and you're the branches. (laughs) He ensures that we're connected in so that we bear fruit. But he also ensures that we're healthy. He prunes us. So if there's any part in my life, I want to let God prune it off if it's not healthy, if it's draining life rather than giving life, so that my life is more fruitful. And I could go on until lead us together this evening, telling you stories of how God's pruned pieces out of my life. I won't, but I could. (laughs) I'd love us just to review some of God's promises, because Nehemiah returns to God's promise. And this is where I wanted to start in our series together is to remind us of these promises and to remind us what we're called to. And so uh, if we could put the next one up, please, Roger. 
These are some of God's directives to us. We've put these up before and they're, they're put in slightly different wording in the welcome leaflet and on the website. But these are things that God has given us as directives as a church family. The first one is that we focus on discovering each person's unique gifting and destiny and not just their church role. So it's not just that you know, we want you to hand out bulletins on a Sunday morning or we want you to make the coffee. No, what does God want for your life? We want to discover that with you and treasure that and cultivate it so that it grows uh, and you step into the fullness of your destiny as a unique individual. There's no one else in this world like you. God intended it that way. So religion might say that we've all got to act alike and look alike and, and, and <laughs> toe the line. But God says you're unique. And we treasure that and we value that. The second directive that God has given us as a foundation is that we cooperate with God and we build community to develop and release those unique destinies. You see, you are unique, but you need all of us around you to be able to express that uniqueness fruitfully. And so it's as we interact with one another that we see that growth and the development of our destinies. <laughs> Sherry came over and started bumping up against me during the worship. I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad to see the kids dancing at the front, especially the ones who are over 70. Because it's in community, it's in bumping up against one another that we grow. And that's something that we need to model because it's not a common thing. Particularly here in the South, let's be real, a lot of people go to church for what they get from it, not for what they can give to it. And if anybody bumps up against them, they get offended and they leave and they go to another church. And it's such a tragedy because actually I'm only who I am today because of the people I've offended. And the people who've offended me. The people who've done me wrong. And the ways God has used that. Because God uses our weaknesses, our foibles, our faults, our sin to teach us how he's designed us to be. I'm very thankful for some of the shift that I've gone through. That was shift with an F in it. Because... Got to be careful. Don't want to offend anybody. Wait, don't I want to? Maybe I do want to offend everybody. But I'm very grateful for some of the shift that God has put Jane and me through because we wouldn't be who we are if we hadn't gone through that. Just saying. All right. Now, when any of you experience that kind of stuff, I'm sad because I wish it didn't have to happen, especially if I've caused it. But on the other hand, I want us to work through it because I want you to grow just as much as I know I've grown. I didn't make a note of it in my notes, but there's that verse about, you know, if the, if the barn is clean, then there's nothing going on. You know, when the barn's full of animals, you've got stuff to shovel. And that's when the farm is being productive. We want our church family to be a productive farm, right? So sometimes you and I are going to have stuff to shovel. 
It's the way God's designed it. We cooperate with God and we build community to develop and release those unique destinies. If you want some Bible verses to that, you could read Romans 12. It talks about the gifts that God has given us, that as we all use them together, everything comes to life. Or you could use Ephesians 4, where it talks about those fivefold giftings that we believe all of us carry in some measure. And, and when those giftings are jointed together, when we're kind of using our spiritual muscles on one another so that we work through some of that junk, that's when the body grows. You can tell I go to the gym all the time. Not. But some of you do. We only build muscle if we work at it, right? Maybe I should work at it. Third thing that God has laid in as a foundation for us is that we collaborate with like-minded churches and ministries to see God break down walls of division and touch our region. You see, we're part of the body of Christ, but we're not the whole body of Christ. <laughs> we're a part, and our part is to complete the whole picture of what the body of Christ looks like in our region. So we're completing, not competing. We're not interested in persuading people to join us out of some other church. What a waste of time that is. <laughs> but we are interested in finding all the people who've given up on church because they haven't found the sort of church that we're supposed to be, where you can develop your uniqueness and be safe to be real and help us to shovel the poop. Right? We want poop. Crops grow better with poop. I need to move on before I slip and say something I shouldn't say. <laughs> Fourth thing that's a foundation here is that we lead by raising up leaders. We want to raise up leaders. One of the things that you will see shift through the summer, as we talk about building, is we want to continue to give away authority to those who are willing to take responsibility. So it doesn't all land on Mark and Jane. It doesn't already land on Mark and Jane, but more often than not, if something slips through the cracks, Mark and Jane catch it. <laughs> and if we're to raise up leaders, we've realized and we've agreed with each other, we've got to stop catching all the little bits so we can focus on the big stuff. It's not that there's anything wrong with the little stuff, but just like the apostles said, when it got so crazy in the book of Acts that people were getting missed out and stuff was slipping through the cracks, they're like, wait, we don't want us to do everything. We want there to be deacons. And you know what the deacons were? These were people who were doing miracles. We want some miracle-working, willing leaders who step up and make sure that the widows get fed as well. <laughs> Acts 7, in case you want to go and look it up. And it's wonderful. I mean... Out of that, I probably shouldn't say this because I'm encouraging you all to look at where's my place of responsibility and where can I shoulder the load, but the first Christian martyr came out of that. <laughs> okay. Any volunteers? <laughs> Stephen got martyred because he was so powerful. He did more miracles potentially than the apostles were doing. Yeah, the 12 had been with Jesus, or well, the 11 plus 1 had been with Jesus. 
there's Stephen doing all these amazing miracles, and then when they, when they come, <laughs> he explains so beautifully God's whole plan uh, that everything's unfolding, and then they stone him. <laughs> and it's so powerful that the guy who's holding the coats becomes the guy, when he gets knocked off his donkey, <laughs> becomes the guy who wrote more than half of the New Testament, Saul who became Paul. Sorry, none of that was in my notes and none of that's in Nehemiah. But what I'm saying is, as we step up and allow God to bring us into the fullness of our destiny, what we'll learn is we're constantly identifying successors in every role. I've said to many of you, as you've volunteered to step in and to help in different ways, we never want anything to rest entirely on any one person so that you become indispensable for that one thing that you're doing. No, we want you to raise up others around you who can do it with you or do it instead of you if you get, move on to do something else or whatever. But we want to always be raising up others. It's a key principle of the body of Christ. And then the final one is that our community grows and sees the kingdom expand in the world. This is what Jesus taught us to pray, wasn't it? Your kingdom come, your will be done in Myrtle Beach as it is in heaven. Well, it doesn't say Myrtle Beach in Matthew 6, but that's what he meant, right? We want to see the kingdom come. We don't just want to see people show up at church because church is not a building. Church is a family. We are the church. <laughs> this building is our building, but we are the church. So those directives define us as a church family. Those foundations uh, call us to be different from the world around us, just like Israel was called to be different from the world around them. And it was their failure to say yes to God that led to Nehemiah having to do what he did in chapter 1, wasn't it? They were sent into exile because they didn't do what God said. But we're going to follow Nehemiah's example and say yes to what God wants to do. Yeah, there's a greater purpose that we haven't yet stepped into for Catch the Fire Myrtle Beach. There's more for us. We say that so often, there's always more. But it's true. We have a greater destiny. Uh, so don't think that, that where we are right now is our goal. Our goal is to fulfill the destiny that God has given us. I love that the, uh, the ladies are looking at uh, Priscilla Shira's book, Discerning the Voice of God, on their Wednesday mornings, because it's all about relationship. Do you remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees in John 5? He said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, but it's them that bear witness to me, and you refuse to come to me that you may have life. <laughs> so yes, we want to root ourselves in scripture, but only to the degree that it leads us into greater relationship with our Lord Jesus. And so our responses through the summer, as we say yes to Jesus and as we come with him on this journey, in this building and gathering season, we're going to be saying yes to him in a bunch of different ways. And we'll unpack them as the weeks go by. We're going to pursue deeper relationship with God, like the ladies are doing on Wednesday mornings. We're going to strengthen relationships with one another. We're going to learn how to shovel the poop together. We're going to trust God in everything. It's easy to nod, <laughs> but let me tell you one area that God's got Jane and me trusting him in is finances. Because where your money is, there your heart is. 
And we've got a lot to learn about finances together. We'll do that as part of trusting God in everything. We've also got to recognize and resist the spiritual opposition to our calling. You know, the enemy loves to try to interfere with your calling and my calling and our calling as a church family. And so when we have difficulties, we need to recognize the spirit behind it. It's not the people. (laughs) It's the spirit behind what's going on that we need to recognize and resist. And we're going to learn more about how to do that. And like Nehemiah did, we're to gather those who are scattered. And so we're asking God to add to our family. There are many, many people in the Grand Strand who need to discover that church is family. They may not all discover it here, but there are plenty who can discover it here. And God is wanting us through this summer as we learn to build and we learn to gather, is to gather those who are scattered. So those are going to be our responses that we'll unpack in future weeks. But our response for today is I want us to pause and I want us to talk to God about some of these things. Are they up on the screen there? Yes, thank you. I'm choosing to focus on God's promises more than on the challenges around me. I'll be real. That's a difficult thing to do. But I keep choosing it. And the more I keep choosing it, the better it gets. Those of us who were here on Thursday, our final more evening when Pat shared about trusting so powerful thank you that's the body of Christ working together I focus on God's promises more than on the challenges around me second thing I choose to come to Jesus knowing his love and presence is what I was created for and what meets all my needs we've seen that modeled throughout this morning haven't we just coming to him and allowing relationship with him to be the answer to whatever we're facing I'm returning to God's promises for me and for all of us. God has made many promises. And we're going to stop and reflect in a moment here and say, God, what promises do you want me to focus on for me and for us this week? And then I choose to reach out to those around me so I can help them to receive God's promises too. So let's pause and just close our eyes for a moment. God, you've given many great promises, the greatest of which is that you're with us always to the very end of the age. And the age hasn't ended yet, so you're still with us. (laughs) So now, Jesus, what promises do you want me to focus on today and this week. In what ways do you want me to experience your presence afresh today and this week?
as he shows you promises, simply say yes. <laughs> I'm saying yes to you, Jesus. I'm saying yes to more. I'm saying yes to your promises. Lord Jesus Christ, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. You promise I will gather you and bring you to the place I've chosen and make my name dwell there. So, Lord, we return to your promises that are good. We ask that you would begin to build us more. That you would gather us together. And that we would enjoy deeper relationship with you and one another because you've gathered us together and because we've said yes to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Two things the Lord put on my heart as we were praying and listening. First is that I feel like there's a few of us, you just need to get somebody else to agree with you. It's almost like you feel like, yeah, I'm choosing this, but I just need somebody else to say yes with me. <laughs> so feel free to do that. Whoever's close to you that's somebody you feel comfortable with, just grab them and say, just agree with me. doesn't have to be long, just agree together, because I feel like God is smiling on agreement this morning. He likes it when we agree together. And the second thing I felt was, and this may just have been for me, but if it's for you as well, that's fine. If there's anybody you want to simply go and say, I'm sorry if I've mishandled shoveling the poop between us. Then God wants to nudge you to do that. It's okay to drop the shovel every now and again and, you know, spill a bit. Because when we're shoveling poop, it's because there's stuff going on. And that's good, right? So let's get used to it. Not be ashamed of it. So if either of those apply to you, I encourage you to do that. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over us and we're going to be dismissed. Father, thank you that it's always on your heart that your children be drawn closer to you and closer to one another so that we can live out the life of God, we can live out the life of the kingdom and influence those around us with the answer to their needs not by telling them, but by showing them 
the way to find you. So would you bless every one of us to draw closer to you and closer to one another that the kingdom would come in us and through us and touch every life around us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.